this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor's going to distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.com. FM to get started. It was a big win for the good guys on Nitro 100. You listen to them, now hang out with us. This is After 83 Weeks with Christy Olson. That's me. You're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz Hello, 83 Weeks fans, and welcome to After 83 Weeks. We are live for the very first time ever. Woo! We are so excited that all of you can join us live in the chat on YouTube and give us your thoughts on this episode of 83 Weeks, where they are covering the 100th episode of Monday Nitro. Let me introduce you to my panel tonight. He runs the YouTube channel that you're watching right now and the one for many other wrestling veterans. Hello, Steve Kaufman. Hello. I'm also in the chat. Be nice. Oh. <laughs> y'all are being nice, but just y'all are nice. Y'all are being nice. I've, I know a lot of the a lot of the folks in the chat, but stay nice. They are being very nice, and I bet you they'll be kind to this guy as well. An independent wrestler, and we call him the Encyclopedia of Professional Wrestling. It's George Hermosa. Hello, everyone. Hey, how are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm so excited that we're live with the fans. I mean, we we don't we haven't ever been live before to mm-hmm. accommodate Eric's schedule, and I am. Um, unhappy to share with you that Eric had to uh, forego appearing on the show tonight. A little scheduling conflict, you know, things pop up for the executive director of WWE SmackDown Live every once in a while. So we are hoping to get him at some point in the future. And uh, I was going to give another little, but we'll just wait on that. We'll wait. There's other teases coming. There's good stuff coming. So make sure you hit that subscribe button and maybe the thumbs up too. And let's give a little uh, shout out to everybody that's hanging out with us tonight. Night. We got Richard Cox in the live chat, Maurice Barlow, Ben Seatown, Dermot, everybody. They've already got the conversation going about this episode of 83 Weeks. And oh, uh, they're they're starting already. Rob <laughs> wants to know if Eric was drunk or on heavy pain meds while shooting this episode because of his dental surgery that he had last Wednesday, which is what kept him off of our show last week. But I thought he sounded pretty pretty lucid, mm-hmm. pretty with it on this one. I've heard these I heard these comments before I listened to the episode, and I went in looking for like, yeah, are we gonna get drunk, Eric? Are we gonna get loopy, Eric? <laughs> like I didn't actually. He was lucid, like he was. 
a little looser than he normally is, but I, I attributed that more to the watch-along format than yeah. the traditional format than anything else. Mm-hmm. That I Believe me, I was really looking forward to, like, because I remember the, the episode where Bruce Pritchard was just popping paint meds in the middle of the episode, and it was one of the better ones. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> that but I didn't see it here. Well, this was, I would say, one of the great ones of 83 weeks. We got a lot of good stuff, kind of behind the scenesy things about Nitro and going to three hours. And, of course, a little bit of Eric's current situation at the top, which we always love to hear about how he's adjusting to life in Stamford. He, he revealed that he's meeting with Vince on a regular basis. That is face-to-face time from two guys that you probably thought would never see, we would never see in a room together ever again. And he described the situation of starting with WWE again as that it's like you're trying to drink water out of a fire hose. <laughs> That's what Bruce Pritchard told him, and apparently that is exactly what he's experiencing. And apparently they like to get their schedule. nails done. Yeah, that was quite like the conversation. Good old manies. I'm really anxious to get your guys' response to this. So apparently, uh, Bruce, Vince, all the guys go in and get the Terry Taylor, get the manicures, and they do what short rounded <laughs> buffed, not to be confused with square and lacquered, which is uh, <laughs> Terry Taylor style. I have to say, I do remember noticing that Terry Taylor had well manicured nails when I was uh, working <laughs> down there at the PC. Like, that is definitely a thing. Okay. I mean, we did learn some other I mean, things about but, Terry Taylor but, in this episode. But, but I mean, like, what do you think when a guy when, a, when you hear a guy gets his man, a manicure on a regular basis? I mean, I don't need a guy to get a manicure. Uh-huh. Um, I think that's just so kind of. I've been living with the same man for fourteen years, and that's just so off base for anything he would do that it does sound a little odd to me. But like, like, does it compare to like the level of a man he is? Like, would you be surprised to say, "Oh, Samoa Joe gets manicures," as opposed to like an Eric Bischoff getting manicures? I always. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Say if someone, if like ego isn't getting in the way, mm-hmm. like if he wants to go and get a manicure and he takes pride in his hands looking nice, then and he's not worried about like looking girly or being feminine or walking into it being seen walking into a nail salon. Like I think that is manly. I like, agree. That's being secure. I've gotten two manicures in my life and I loved it. Really? Yeah. Well, no, they were free, but I mean, <laughs> I don't think I'd pay for one. I've but. paid money for manicures and pedicures before. Like it's not. I don't think it's the like. I don't think that's a thing I could see myself doing daily just because my hands and feet aren't enough of attractions for other... Like, I just don't see that worthy, but the, the well, idea of being like pampered... It was, it was a thing that Vince kind of got started. I, and he, of course, is a well I just want to know what the manicurist and the conversation between the manicurist and Vince McMahon have. Right? Or he's probably... It's his own personal one that he's probably had for, like, 30 years. Yeah. Nowadays, I mean, you can, like, DM somebody at 2 a.m. and, like, a manicure will still come to your house, so... Now, I bet you guys did not think that we were ever going to get a whole topic of manicures on this show. So let's <laughs> jump into the actual action. Of course, we're setting the tone a little bit here. The 100th episode of Nitro happened the day after WWF's SummerSlam. And they, of course, were looking forward, WCW was looking forward to Road Wild 97, which happened the Saturday mm-hmm. after this show, right? So kind of set the tone a little bit. Oh, also, this was great because there was a ton of action from my favorite... I guess they weren't superstar. From my favorite 
WCW talent right. back in the day, the Nitro Girls, okay. mm. on uh, on this Nitro 100 episode. And Conrad actually asked Eric if there was going to be something similar. He thought of the SmackDown sisters, which I actually don't think is that crazy. Yeah, I, but I think we can come up with something a little better than that. Well, I mean, the Smack Girls? The Smack Girls, yes. But either way, Eric did seem to think it was a great idea. And I have to say, from watching Nitro 100, like they really did keep the energy up. They really did get people excited, right? Is that just me? Because well, I was on, it, I was it on always, Dance Team, and I it think always, fun. It always made sense whenever Eric kind of described why the Nitro Girls even existed, because we've all been to WWE shows. We've all been there for TV tapings. They'll kind of have that down period. Nowadays, you, you see, like, those... Uh, one of the girls now is like, oh, hey, let's get some kids and ask them, well, like, yeah, oh, like, who's the best in the world and whose nickname is this and who can you impersonate? I feel like that that's fine and all, but there's something about, like, cheerleaders, Nitro Girls, dance team, like, that really gets the excitement of the crowd just always amped up. More and so it could than be a, men, too. Just more saying. so than a kiss cam or a t-shirt cannon yeah. or... A, a, like a three-year-old WWE 24 commercial because mm-hmm. these are all things that happen at WWE live events that I, I'm not, I don't, I just don't know if in today's age a dance troupe can hold a wrestling audience, hold the attention of a wrestling audience during a commercial break. At the same time, like, maybe it's been maybe, that long. But maybe people thought the same thing back in '97. Mm-hmm. Maybe people thought like, "There's no way that a dance team is going to be able to hold the audience in 1997." You never know until you actually do it. And Eric got and brought up a good point. Uh, and I kind of disagree with what Conrad was saying in terms of like, you guys put luchadors at the beginning of third hour. Yeah. It's like, what, you guys never done that before. Like, why would you do that? Why did you have the first hour? First off, uh, they never had a third hour to begin with. So how do you say, like, you've never put that in the third hour? Because you never had a third hour to begin with. Um, but again, Eric's rebuttal was like, you can't really, uh, you know, criticize it because we have to just do it. Mm-hmm. You're not good. you got to get the audience used mm-hmm. to it when you just keep doing it over and over again. Kind of going back to about the Nitro Girls, even if it works today, you just got to do it. Yeah. You can't, you can't not know if you don't do it. And before we jump into Nitro extending to three hours, I just want to check back in with the chat role. Robert said that he had a manicure once and he loved it. So yeah, they're awesome. They There's have, a bit of that going on in the spoken. chat right now. Everyone in the chat is <laughs> well, Derma Earmholin. I'll go with that. Harley Race never got a manicure, is what he's saying. I Ooh, I feel like that's probably true. I'll Google that. I don't know. <laughs> he might have gotten a manicure. Like he lived a very long life. Well, neither has Eric Bischoff, who talked a little bit about this decision to make Nitro into three hours, which he said was not his decision. <laughs> he didn't mm. want it, and this put them up. This new three hour, the third hour, put them up against one of my other favorite childhood. No, shows. you did not. Walker, you were not a Texas walkie. Ranger. <laughs> oh yeah, no, we loved Chuck Norris in my house. That was a big deal. Well, you know, you know, they, you know, they try to build a bridge, you know, in, in Minnesota, and then they wanted to call it the Chuck Norris Bridge because nobody can ever cross Chuck Norris. I knew you there was just some like dumb laid joke that up there. for him. I knew, I knew there was some dumb joke coming there. But do you guys remember when Nitro went from two to three hours? Yep. Actually, I remember it, but I was also in Peru at the same time. So when I came back, uh, like it cut off because mm-hmm. I, I recorded it to have it just to yeah. tape two hours. But I was like, wait, where's my? What the hell? Like I didn't, I didn't get this memo. So I was a little <laughs> upset at the time because like, I got it know. But I ended up, someone else ended up giving me the tape of the three hour Nitro, which was awesome. I I do remember this. There are there are many who this was the conduit for wrestling that they would oh wrestling is on at mon- on Monday nights and they would just tune in at eight o'clock because that's when most stuff starts yeah and then wrestling was on Monday nights at eight o'clock and then they 
show up to school the next day and be like, oh, did you see all the stuff? And then they're talking about Austin. You're like, oh. You know, what, what's crazy <laughs> is, is, you know, this was me as a teenager watching Nitro as three hours, and it never felt like it dragged. Mm-hmm. But then you kind of go online, and you, all you hear is like, oh, my God, Ross, three hours. It's unwatchable. Like, that third hour, just so, like, I never felt that way in, like, 97 or 98. But is that just the difference between uh, teenagers' attention span for something like pro wrestling Honestly, and and, and, and I, I don't like that he's not here because I wanted to praise him because I think a lot of it is it's Eric. I think the presentation that he gave us that it just always mm-hmm. felt so lively. It mm-hmm. always felt like some like you never knew what was going to happen. It never really felt scripted. Nowadays, it's like you kind of watch it. And I'm not, I'm not bashing WWE because I watch every single week. Um, but it sometimes it does feel like all right. Well, what, what are they presenting us as opposed to watching Nitro? Oh my God, what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Well, Nitro is always like a like a live aspect. Raw is more of a presentation. And Eric did touch on that. He said, you know what? That time they were doing all these new different things and I was like, oh, what the hell are they doing over there mm-hmm. until it actually worked? Mm-hmm. And then it was like, oh, genius. <laughs> um, I do, uh, we have another dumb joke and this one from, oh, thank the, you. from the chat roll. It's a really good one. So <laughs> Richard said, Chuck Norris is starring in a new show next year. Texas Ranger with a walker. But much love it. I know your family's going to watch. Of course yeah. we are. I, I, we talked a lot about baselines with where he was like, we don't have a baseline for what you should start your third hour with. We've never had a third hour. Yeah. Similar, the reason he was able to present such a good alternative to Raw is that Raw was already the baseline. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. and I think he would even say it's easier to be an alternative than it is to be the original. Mm-hmm. And I think he walked into Nitro that way, being able to be like, well, what is Raw? Let's not do any of those things. Yeah. <laughs> Let's be wrestling. Let's start there and then not be raw. Mm-hmm. So I think, like, I think even he would admit you you have your task a little more cut out for you as the alternative versus the original. He also admitted that Nitro kind of took over everybody's, he, he called it the intellectual property, like <laughs> from the talent and creative resources and just everybody's kind of time and energy started going into Nitro. And that as a result of that, Clash of the Champions, which historically was a pretty big pay-per-view for WCW, kind of got put on the back burner. Do you guys remember the sort of diminished importance of Clash of the Champions and kind of wondering what was up with that? I mean, looking back, I mean, I, I was always a big fan of those, but at the same time, that's '97 was such a transitional year for wrestling because what what was what what made Clash of the Champions so great? Because during a time when there was no Nitro, yeah. there was no Raw, or there, there was no monthly pay per view, there was your occasional couple months Clash of the Champions on free TV. Now you have Monday Nitro every single week, three hours. At you know they started three hours. Thunder was debuting in January, oh, yeah. so it's kind of like. There was really, like, and they were having multi-pay-per-views. Like, it almost seemed as if Clash of the Champions just was not special anymore. Mm-hmm. Kind of how we saw Saturday Night's main event come back in 2006. Yeah, it's cool that, we, oh, man, it's coming back. But when it actually happened, it's like, oh, wait, like, we already kind of see a lot of wrestling. Like, it didn't really feel special anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, there's nothing actually special about JBL and Booker T having a segment on a Saturday Night's main event. Just to kind of have. I'm actually looking, because Clash of the Champions always kind of bothers me because it says Clash of the Champions but there are some cards that like none of the championships are defended (laughs) also like looking at it like it happened January of 97 August of 97 August of 96 was it always January and August no 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 and 95 until 97 it was always twice a year okay but before that it was like four or five times like in 1991 it was like five times probably 
But with no rhyme or reason, it's just like, let's have a clash. Yeah, because again, that's when they only had WCW Saturday Night Mm -hmm. at 6.05 Eastern on TBS. Now, Clash of the Champions was special back Mm -hmm. then because, you know, there was was the event that you didn't have to watch it on pay-per-view. Clash of the Champions was the one that you kind of, at first it was all there just because they wanted to combat WrestleMania Mm 4. And then WrestleMania 5. And then I was like, oh, I think we're onto something. Let's have it on a regular basis. But again, now that Nitro existed and Thunder was coming out, it just didn't feel special anymore. I missed it, but it kind of made sense on why it didn't exist anymore. And once again, you said, like, Saturday Night was probably a syndicated show by 97, and Thunder was about to happen. So it's not like Nitro was the only WCW wrestling on television. Right. That... We're on the occasion. We're on two Saturdays a year on free TV. That can still be special. Because Clash was usually on a Tuesday, if anything, a Tuesday mm-hmm. or a Wednesday. So it was always in that midweek. Right. Well, to your point, so Nitro wasn't going to be the first wrestling show, obviously, on mm-hmm. TV. And Eric also kind of talked about this idea with um, the Giant and Andre that if you're not f- the first one, then you have to be different than mm-hmm. or better than or you're automatically less than. How do you think that kind of played into Nitro at that time? They, they weren't going to be first. They went kind of for the different than, right? A little bit. I mean, I think we always hear about Eric kind of saying, how can I be different? I don't want to be like Night Raw, but how can I be different? And we've heard him said things, whether it's on this show or 83 Weeks, on just how different he wanted to be, whether it's the live aspect, whether it's the interview segments with Mean Gene, whether it's just the presentation. And I'll get into the presentation because the big part of why I think this show was so amazing, uh, I mean, the Nitro was because how it ended. Mm-hmm. Uh, just It was just different. I mean, it's like, it's easy to kind of, like you said, it was easy to do things different because like, what is Raw doing? Okay, let's not do that. Mm-hmm. And it's easier to, fi- like, and then if you fail, then you get to turn around and be like, well, we tried to be an alternative. <laughs> the, the audience clearly doesn't want an alternative but they want a watered down version. I do think in 97, I'll admit, I was way more active on ECW's weekly programming, which did this to the umpteenth degree because they didn't have any money either. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like, how do we be an alternative without any money? Mm-hmm. And that's what ECW was, especially in 96, 97, 98, where it was just like, well, I, what do yeah, we got? They succeeded for a while. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. and they, succeed, they succeeded by being both an alternative and presenting the fact that they were just, we're underground. Mm-hmm. Congrats on hearing about us. It's 11 p.m. on a Wednesday night on Channel 48. <laughs> Well, an alternative to being different, I think, is maybe just straight up stealing ideas. As Matt Hardy alleges high voltage was stolen from them, he says that he sent in a tape to the power plant where he played this character, had some promos with it, and that even someone who was in the room at the time said, Canyon said that someone who uh, turned out to be Terry Taylor but was unnamed on the episode <laughs> Did you know about uh, this story? said, hey, we are stealing that. Yeah, have you guys heard this story before? I've, heard I've not heard this story about Matt Hardy specifically, but I hear the story in locker rooms everywhere that some young kid will do something in the ring and then some older older grizzled, grizzled veteran will just be like, oh, I'm stealing that. Well, this specific... Like, it's almost a joke. This specific story I've known for, like, 15 years because Matt Hardy put it in the book, in the Hardy yeah. Boys book that came out a while ago. But I think this was the first time that Eric kind of commented on it, which I was excited about. I mean, he didn't really deny it. At first, I think he was. But I think because Conrad was very specific on, like, well, Matt Hardy said that Chris Canyon was in the room, you know, when Terry Taylor... So it was kind of hard to deny to say, oh, and, and it really happened. And I think if it kind of came from Meltzer, I think, you know, he would have been more like, oh, no, absolutely not. But uh, it's all there. Like, Matt Hardy, you know, high voltage is a cool name. But I, th- I doubt just timeline, it would have been a coincidence. I, I believe it 100%. That they totally stole it from him. That's too many, that's too many letters in that order to be 
to be a coincidence. If you're asking, just as a pure outsider, I'm like, high voltage? All those letters in that order? (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's see. Here's a segue for you. Both of the Hardy Boys have dated within the wrestling biz. And there was the idea brought up by Eric on this show that in wrestling, wrestlers are able to marry up. He used DDP and Kimberly as the example. Are, can you guys think of some other examples of wrestlers marrying up? Like, who stands out in your mind the most when we talk about that? Every, that married up? Everyone's yeah. wife is amazing, so I don't know. I don't know. I'm trying to, I'm trying to play the middle ground there. Of just. I mean, I'm not. I know, <laughs> I know, I know Matt Hardy didn't. Um, I heard she's crazy. Uh, please, we do not want her heat, okay? <laughs> I just heard... Uh, Yes, I mean, we have all heard. <laughs> who's married? I can't even think of who's married. They're right all now. married. That's. Would you say that Seth is dating up right now with Becky? I think so. Um, like as a person or as a per- like, there are, there are certain levels to like how you can judge a whole human. Like it's. <laughs> You're right. You know what? Maybe this is a little. Much. No, no, I'm not. I'm not making it like that. I'm saying that like, if you're in a relationship with someone, you should feel like you're their equal, and I think it. Both Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch, week to week, it would depend on career-wise who is actually who's equal. Yeah. Who is who's reaching, who's settling. That's interesting because I want whoever I am with to feel like they are marrying up or dating up or you know unworthy just all around. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm on a land of woman, people. This is why you watch, right? Well, they, they, said, they said on the chat, Mike Canellis. That's a good oh, that's a oh, chat that. roll. That is a fantastic example, Dermot. Like, and, and, and now that you mention it, like, and then Steve kind of mentioned it too. It's like I don't know about marrying up. Like Tyson and Addy just feel like they fit together, you know? Oh yeah. Uh, you know, even like Naomi and one of the Usos. I always forget which one. I know John is his real name, but I forgot which Uso it is. But that mm-hmm. was probably a situation where when they got married, it appeared that she was marrying up. But now I think we would say that. He's got yeah, the because he keeps getting in trouble. Which high end of that stick? Well, because there are a couple of ways. There's looks. There's career. Triple H married up, and then there's personality. <laughs> and like, so, Triple like, H did marry up, and that's not even saying that like he's down. Mm-hmm. It just she's so far mm-hmm. up here that like he had to. That just would bring anybody up. Yeah, and I guess you can say Brock did too. Yeah, I think on looks, on looks, I'm pretty sure Brock married up. I think I think that's what Conrad meant, pretty purely of just Aww. Ken terminated by Google is very nice. Yes, we, yes, I I see that. I actually um, uploaded a video to my YouTube channel, which you can check out at Christie Reports. For everyone who says that I should try my hand at being a backstage interviewer or announcer, or that I should work for WWE, <laughs> go and check that one out. I appreciate your comments, and we will move on to a very crass story about Barbarian that we actually did not get to hear. You don't know okay? that story. That's why I'm asking, because I knew <laughs> that you guys would, and I, I am sure there are this. other people out there who have never heard this story, so, or am I going to regret this? Please tell the story? Yes or no? Uh, is I mean, it untellable? What is it I mean, rated? It, is it rated X, R, G for gross? <laughs> what rating would you give this NC-17? Okay. And it's not even a true story. It just it just like a oh, it's, it's like not. an inside joke that they always did on what happened to one with Tony Schiavone, how David Flair would always tell the story that back in the locker room, 
Barbar- Barbarian would over would uh, go over to referee Tommy Young, and Barbarian would over always go like, "Hey, Tommy Young, come over here and jerk me off." And so, like, it was just something like the story that they always told, and and yeah, that's what it is. Oh well, that's fairly tame for the all the. But it, it's it just one of those where it be, kind of can become a, a joke. So when it, to the point where they had a Tommy Young T-shirt, and every time they say Tommy Young on what happened, one they always say it like Tommy Young. So that's essentially the barbarian story. All right, mystery solved. Thank you for that, George. <laughs> but then it became a shorthand for "Come over here and jerk me off." It's <laughs> Tommy Young. Come over here and jerk me off. <laughs> we are running the gauntlet of topics today, people. Okay, we're on so the 83 channels, right? let's talk about Vincent <laughs> a little bit. According to Eric, he tried to get himself over, which, of course, in the wrestling world, is the greatest sin. One Why can is that commit. the biggest sin? Listen, don't ask me. But I'm saying, like, <laughs> like, isn't the goal to get yourself over? Yes, but not as not as anything but a wrestler. And not in a way that anyone could ever see you as, oh, he's just trying to put himself over. Yeah. It's stupid. It's It's stupid. I'll agree that it's stupid, but that's how people see it. It's the opposite of the cheap heat. It's like the cheap... Cool? Uh, but they, it's it's the a weird easy, not easy way. The easy way of getting people to, to love you. And it's like a weird... Um, it's a, I, would, I don't want to say it's hazing, but there's a certain level of if you get into the business, the business will kind of treat you poorly and like... Treat you like oh he oh he just wants to get himself over he's not he's not a team player he's not this he's right. not that that it's meant to like weed out people that the that aren't genuine the locker room feels doesn't deserve it and they aren't genuine and aren't these things and like it's I I want to see the Moneyball style movie one day when when a promotion eventually does like because all like all I hear when I hear like oh he he doesn't know how to do business is like like similar to that scene in Moneyball where it's like ah oh, he's got an ugly girlfriend. He's got an ugly girlfriend. He can't pitch. I guess it just kind of... Like he gets on base. What are you talking about? I guess it just kind of <laughs> depends. Like, I guess there's nothing... I mean, not nothing, but in my eyes, I guess there's really nothing wrong with trying to get yourself over, but not at the expense of other people. Yeah. Well, because okay, it shows a lack sense. of understanding like, of we all the business. Wanna, like, exactly. but, but it's like, when you get in the business, what do you want to do? You want to get over, because essentially that's why you get into the business. But again, just not at the expense of other people. Okay. Well, and not in a way that everyone will feel because everyone essentially has to trust you because it it's the business is rooted in such a carny style that you have to be a legitimate able to handle yourself shooter Mm -hmm. if you will so like a lot of that is still left over in the tradition that if if the locker room has any whiff that like oh i can't trust him to do business Mm -hmm. that's they'll they'll throw you out real fast and vincent just kind of feel like he's he only existed to be a rib you know what i mean that Vincent did? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Like, his name was Virgil, then it was Vincent, like... What about Ted DiBiase, who uh, we see hooking up with the Steiner Brothers for the first time as their uh, manager, right? Shall we say? Yeah. He was their manager. Yeah. Um, he, Ted DiBiase, says that making all this money at this time, being famous, being in the biz, ruined his life. They argued a little bit on the show that it was probably more about the lifestyle uh-huh. and that that would happen to someone. That if you have that in you to have a troublesome life, uh-huh. that that will find you whether you are a pro wrestler or a teacher. I think they made. I think they made a good point, uh, and you're absolutely right. But I think they made a good point that DiBiase had a book coming out, and a lot of it he was blaming on the lifestyle. But I saw the price of fame in the movie theater, and you can tell that DiBiase kind of mostly blamed himself, as if he kind of knew, like, it didn't really matter what I did. These are Mm -hmm. the things that I did, and, you know, I would have done it regardless. 
Whatever happened to his son? I used to run into him on red carpets all the time when I first started red carpet. Well, he he's the one that produced and mostly directed that movie, that Price of Fame, the documentary. When did that come out? Two years ago. Okay. Yeah. So they've all been around. Um, I don't know. Like, just a nice guy that I would run into. Yeah, he got out of the business and. I don't know. My my understanding of him is that he found like he was in the business, and now he's very much out of the business. Like, so, just, he's just around SoCal, like trying to do, trying to do stuff like make a movie. He lives in SoCal, right? I Am know. I wrong? I might be wrong. He definitely did a while ago. All right. Well, uh, we know one thing for sure. That we will not be seeing Eric or Bruce Pritchard at StarCast. <laughs> this was kind of a juicy, in-real-time, like, behind-the-scenes thing that we hope to get more of all the time on this show. And Conrad was like, well, I mean, Moxley and CM Punk are going to be there. I didn't think you guys wanted that heat. Any thoughts on all of this? Steve, you've actually worked uh, with StarCast a little bit. Can you tell us any more or any any thoughts on this? Um, Thoughts on... If Bruce Pritchard or Eric Bischoff, you would have you assumed should, also that just oh, not to even ask one hundred percent. And like, I'm not revealing too much by saying I have access to enough information yeah. to have known that months ago, <laughs> to have known that pretty early on. Where I'm like, no, they're not. Like beyond just presumption, beyond presumption or assumption, I'm like, oh no, 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 they're not. Because by now, like they're selling the meet and greets, they're selling yeah. the bracelets. Like if they had those too, they'd be on like. Conrad knows how to just put the put the media out there in a way that like no no Bruce Pritchard will be here please buy a meet and greet like versus I with the heat though I don't I don't know I think they're too busy to be very honest like if yeah. the WWE is not in Chicago that weekend they can't be in Chicago that weekend mm-hmm. there there were the WWE is more than the heat or the not the heat because my my assumption of both Bruce and Eric's position is such that they only report to one other man. Mm-hmm. I get so, the idea, too. So the heat, the heat is one part. Like, it's not, oh, what would Vince think of this? It's like, hey, Vince, what do you think of this? Like, because <laughs> I, I, I get the impression around there that a lot of people are like, oh, what if Vince or someone in Vince's office hears that I might have maybe done this? Yeah. Whereas those two are so close that it's, they just decide whether or not, or outright ask, or whatever. I don't know. Are there any details out there as to what CM Punk is doing at StarCast? Bl- uh, he's you. doing a meet and greet, I'm sure, and like a one man, like just on stage, like a Q and A, I think. Okay, right. good. I didn't want to say that. Well, because that's kind of what Conrad alluded to on the show. Yeah. But okay, I'm pretty sure all the yeah the whole schedule is out for StarCast. Yeah, that he's that I want to say John Moxley has his own. Um, will have his own like kind of uh, stage show, and that mm-hmm. CM Punk will also have his own stage show. Can't wait also, for since that. since I know what side what side of the bread my butter, ugh, never mind. <laughs> Starcast. <laughs> you know what? You, We're if, gonna cut Steve off before he gets himself in trouble. But you know, <laughs> I just have to squeeze the juice out of anybody who's around, <laughs> and I tried. How about that? Eric is too perfect to be real. <laughs> that was uh, that was a fun little blurb on this here episode. Who would get offended by that? Like, I, I don't mean, know how you can get offended by. Well, because he also talked about how like there's not. There hasn't been a lot of heat between Conrad and Eric on the show lately. I don't know if it's just the topics or, you know, Eric's so busy and Conrad doesn't really want to take him to task that much. But they did sort of acknowledge that. And Con- but Conrad is trying. <laughs> He's trying. And Eric gave him something that he thought he could rip apart a little bit. But it just isn't quite like the old days of 83 weeks. I mean, we kind of we got a little glimpse of it during that best of. And I was like, what made this show so right. great? But I do. I, I always miss it when... when Conrad, because you know he's right. You know Conrad's right. He just wants to. He just wants to have the other guy admit, like, okay, I'm wrong. But thanks for good listening. I, 
I honestly will say, heading into the 83 Week show, I always thought the show would just be Conrad yelling at Eric all the time. <laughs> and what it has become is Eric, like, very skillfully evading, mo- A, most of the moments that Conrad would get super upset at him, but B, most of the moments where he would have to admit serious wrongdoing on serious things. Right. Like, more often than not, you get him to squirm, he'll squirm out by saying something to the effect of, you know what, I think, looking back, I think you're right. He does say that a at lot. At the time, at the time, here's where I was. I may not have had, you know, the benefit of our hindsight. Mm-hmm. And, like, there, there's very little pushing back when someone says that. You're like, cool. <laughs> <laughs> okay. How about when someone tells you that Steve Regal relieved himself in first class and caused an emergency landing on a plane? That Was that a story you'd heard before, too? Yep. Yes. It's in his oh. book. There's nothing. But I was, I wanted to we know who the guy <laughs> But no, 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 I want to know who the guy from. Can you pull up, like, the Australia card from the, the Hogan Mania? Because oh. that's what I want to know. Who was the guy that, like, Bishop was like, no, screw you. I'm never going to work with you. I thought you'd have it narrowed down already. I didn't even know that. I, I should have. I'm I sure we can up, figure but. it out between who was there, who would have been on the plane. It was you Rodman, know. guys. Let's just be real. <laughs> it was Dennis Rodman. Uh, Eric definitely would have told us. If there it was were, and there were four nights. There were Melbourne. Well, I mean, it was all the same people. My guess it would have been like oh, yeah, man, like, take a guess. Like because there, there's a lot of people on that car that like like Billy Blade who's who like works out here um, like whatever up north, Val Venus. But there, but he said he never worked with this guy ever again, and and yeah. this was right before his TNA. Um, I don't think he would have disrespected Brian Christopher like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm either say like let's say like Black Pearl who's like Rikishi's cousin or like Billy Blade who doesn't really have the best rep and wrestling from out. what I hear. Well, okay. I don't know who's Spartan two three thousand is. If it were if it were Brutus Beefcake, I think he would have said it. Yeah, for sure. Oh, who's Spartan? Sure. Oh, that's Matt Cross. I don't think it would have been Matt Cross. Um, All right, so but he said I think some, no one has because this he part. was like somebody who doesn't belong in the business at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I would have guessed Nasty Boys, but they showed up in TNA like a couple months later. Heidenreich. Heidenreich. So we've narrowed it down to two. Which two? I'd so, say like somebody like Billy Blade. Who's Pimp Fatha? Where, where are we? Right there on the top, the first match. All right, so a lot of That's random weirdos on that yeah, card. Yeah, Pimp Father. <laughs> what is his name? Oh, we can't <laughs> use Godfather. Let's Pimp use the Father. Pimp Father. That's... Well, they couldn't say hosebag either. Yeah, and, I, and we just did it right here. All right, the main. Let's 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 talk about the main event of the hundredth episode of Monday Nitro, where Lex Luger finally scores a championship title from Hulk Hogan. A lot of talk about how unconventional that was to not save that for a pay per view. And its effect, kind of, and and what people thought about it. And Eric said, "You know what? That's what they became known for. Were surprises like that. Do you agree?" Yeah, I th- and I think once again, it's easier to be the alternative. Yeah, it's easier to like, well, what the, what never happens on Raw, anything of importance. The titles never change hands on Raw. Well, they changed Raw hand on February that year. The world title. Yeah. Oh, Bret Hart beat Sid. No, I'm sorry, Sid beat Bret Hart. It was the day after In Your House Final Four. But as a, especially back in that day, as a fan who was probably paying like sixty bucks or something, right, for pay per views, do you would you rather and do you expect to have those things happen on a paper? If I was a young teenager, absolutely not. Because <laughs> I want to watch it for free on Nitro. <laughs> okay. But but no, I think it's just weird because you know, you kind of look at it now, and it would never happen now, where you already had the match advertised for the pay-per-view that following weekend. Hogan mm-hmm. and Luger was advertised for the world title at Road mm-hmm. Wild. But no, we're going to have it on Nitro. We're going to have the title switch hands. Now, 
this is the part where I'm sure he's never gonna sit there and, and this is the part where I'm gonna bash Hogan so I'm sorry so, cause, cause, so, cause he, no because guy. he's like oh Hogan was like yeah of course Hogan was all business like of course you know if you present Hogan with something that you know that what's next brother like yeah if you're gonna I think it was easy to convince Hogan hey you're gonna drop this title to Lex Luger on Monday because you're gonna win it back on Saturday like obviously he's gonna agree to that like why would you not I just don't know what Eric's M.O. would be in protecting Hulk so much. You, Eric always maintains that Hulk was easy to work with, that he was not trying to run the show, that as long as you had a, um ending to the story that you were pitching him, he would be open to it. I just don't know why Eric would so fiercely protect him if that was really, if it was untrue. Who's your best friend? Okay, you don't need to tell me. You don't need to tell me a name. Would you ever say anything negative about them on a public platform? No. That's it. Yeah, but these guys rip each other apart all the time. Bishop doesn't rip Hogan. Everyone buries everyone. Remember, we talked about that last week. But Bishop doesn't bury Hogan. Yeah, I don't know. I'm still. Maybe it's just the little girl inside me that wants to believe that Hulk Hogan is. <laughs> no, a I, but to be, to be honest with you, Hogan's reasoning, you know, according to Eric, yeah. I absolutely loved. Because to me, it made sense. It was. It wasn't just, "Hey, Hogan, this is what you're doing." Hogan was the ultimate businessman. Like we, we heard it. We heard it on Austin's podcast. He was. He was number one business. Like if, mm-hmm. if you know, if it meant this, then he's going to do it. So, I, I, I liked his reasoning behind of why Hogan should do certain things as far as like, well, what's going to be the next step? Am I just doing it just for nothing? Yeah. Because you saw what happened with Billy Kidman. It kind of went nowhere, and that was kind of an example of like, well, let's just have Hogan do whatever. Well, it went nowhere. And it led to nothing. Mm-hmm. So, again, I, I liked Eric's reasoning of why Hogan does certain things in the wrestling business. Do you agree that this was Lex at his technical best? Yeah. Going up against Hulk Hogan? Uh, you- I mean, I'd say 89 when he was, like, facing off against, like, the Horseman and, and you know, Flair and had Harley Race in his corner. I think that was maybe Luger's best. But this was up there. Yeah. I mean, the audience kind of spoke for itself. Mm-hmm. Well, what what are your memories of watching the 100th episode of Nitro way back in 1997. Well, the, like, what well, stands out to you? Or like, what? <laughs> uh, I, I know what stands out to you, George. Oh, wow. Um, uh, the last 15, the last 10 minutes, if yes. anything. And there are so many great things about the last 10 minutes. And it, it's all, it's, for me, it's all these things that you don't really go, you don't really see uh, noticeable. For example, there was one specific thing that I loved that they did not mention once on this episode, and that's the referee, Randy Anderson. Like, he seems so believable because, okay, Luger has him in the rack. Hogan's there. He submits. Randy Anderson calls for the bell as if it's, like, the greatest thing that just happened in the entire world. As if this was the first time that, you know, Hogan or WCW's got the belt back from Hogan. Like, look at Randy. Look back. Look back. Anybody watching here? Everybody watching, listening? Look back at Randy Anderson calling for the bell. It's probably, like, the greatest whatever, mm-hmm. like, and whatever. He's like, he's like, calling for the bell. Like, oh, my God. Like, he can't believe it just happening. Well, also, the torture rack, I was... Earlier today, I was thinking I wanted to criticize the torture rack as a finishing maneuver, but at the same time, it has kind of an RKO feel in the sense that it, it I don't want to say come out of nowhere, but the match can end out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. if you Because you can put someone in a torture rack, presumably forever, mm-hmm. but at one moment, they'll make a signal that you might not see, and then the bell will ring, and the, the match will be over. Mm-hmm. And like there's such a finality that the torture rack is such a weird move, because mm-hmm. I ultimately don't think it's a good finishing move, because you can't do it to the big show. You can't do it to everyone. Everyone can't take it. Also been a bit of a career ender, isn't that right? Mm-hmm. For someone who maybe did it a lot when called it the rack attack. 
Oh, but she oh. dropped in her butt all the time. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's a little different, but it still ended her career. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but <laughs> but uh, but just going back to what Luger and and just that moment, the, the, and I said it a little bit last week. I love like the fact that, and you you know you watch a lot yeah. of sports. It, it, when you watch the Super Bowl, what happens after the the final touchdown or the final you know it hits zero? It's not like all right, guys, see you next year. It's no, they go to the locker room, they go to the losing locker room, they get more more comments from the announcers. Mm-hmm. Maybe they get somebody like maybe somebody from the winning team on the on the announce team. Always some poor twenty two year old blonde girl on the grass with a mic yeah. trying to talk yeah. to some guy they're, who's they're three feet to, taller yeah. than her that they can they cannot hear each other. You know, there's the there's the, the the trophy ceremony. You see the same thing with Super Bowl with the World Series. It's all the same. WCW Nitro did that. Yeah, you know, Luger won the belt. You know, they, they, they're celebrating. Oh my god, like all the all the WCW guys sell up both baby faces, both heels. They all come out. Oh my god, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened in, in, in ever as it should have been. <laughs> it should have been presented like that because this is the first kink that NWO had. They go to the locker room. They see the champagne. You know, they, they go back to the the, the the announce team. They're like, oh guys, I can't believe what just happened. Like that to me is something that goes back on, on Eric on just trying to look different. Mm-hmm. And I love that and to the point where it's like, I'm always curious if that can be presented in today's presentation mm-hmm. uh, of pro wrestling. New Japan and does that every show. Well, the, the match will oh, happen. They, have, they have the press conference And then like the you can see people leave and then there'll be a press conference from either side mm-hmm. and then they'll talk about what's upcoming. Like New yeah. Japan does, it. it's a feeling that coming up through American wrestling, like I was like, oh, that it can feel like this. The, the event, the the thing I wanted to watch is over, but I'm still watching the coverage of what happened. And especially because, like you know, you went to the heel locker room, and obviously you're not gonna. And, and the the Super Bowl losers are not going to be like, oh, screw this. And I'm like, All right, guys, you know. But this is pro wrestling. We can see a little bit more personality. So the fact yeah. that you saw NWO, Hogan, Hall, and Ash, like, think it's the worst thing in the world, like. Per- that's perfect. Yeah. Well, and Eric always talks about how important it was to make the stakes high, to show people that those titles meant something to the yeah. person who held them. And the ending of Nitro 100 absolutely did that. Yeah. So I loved it. I, I, I yeah. hope, I hope, and I'll never ask him this in person because I know he doesn't want to talk about his current situation. But like, I've always been curious, like, can that be presented, let's say, on Raw or SmackDown or a pay-per-view of something big happening? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, we, we see, WrestleMania is awesome, but like, mm-hmm. it's like, all right, uh, bell's over, a little bit of fireworks. All right, guys, see you tomorrow on Raw. It's like, I don't know, I kind of want to see a little bit more of the aftermath, you know, kind of. But then again, there's never really been a situation where it was really one world against the other. True. You know? Like, but this w- was all of WCW being pretty much being taken hostage by NWO. But I would say, and not for the right reasons, but, like, the triple threat match that ended the most recent WrestleMania, mm-hmm. the way that finish happened was very clearly not the way that finish should have happened. Mm-hmm. So there was so much intrigue about one of the biggest matches of the year, in my opinion, around the finish and what had happened that, obviously not the way WWE presents itself, but if there was a way to also get that ancillary content of like tracking down Ronda, like what was supposed to happen? Yeah. Tracking down Becky, what was what are you like there's there's so much intrigue around a finish that you warrant the ability to be like, I we I need to follow someone going back there to literally talk to Lex about it. Mm-hmm. And if anybody can figure out how to make that happen in 2019, it is Eric Bischoff. So we'll be listening again next week when they cover Clash of the Champions 1997. Looking forward to that one. And we want to thank everybody who joined us in the live chat. This is so much fun. We'll, we'll of course, be live again next week. And if you missed it, if you're watching us later, we are live on Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific time. We hope to see you here. And guys, if they want to reach out to you online, where would they do that at? Uh, they can find me on Twitter almost exclusively. I'm at Steve Kaufman. That is K-A-U-F 
M-A-N-N. I run this channel alongside a lot of other channels. And if I'm tweeting the link, I'm involved. I am George Hermosa. You can follow me at G-H-E-R-M-O-Z-A. A lot of good things happening this weekend. WPW is this weekend, this Friday at Bourbon, California. I am hosting the first ever Monday Night Raw review after show in Espanol for yes. all my Spanish-speaking people, Latin people, anybody in Mexico, America, Peru, Chile, all the above. You can watch our review in Spanish. Me and my co-host, Leslie Colon. I'm really excited about that. We're going to have some good things coming up. Uh, but yeah, other than that, G Hermosa, G-H-E-R-M-O-Z-A. Talk really fast. I'm sorry. That No, that is so cool. <laughs> Make sure you tune in. And you guys can always hit me up at Christy reports we will see you right back here we may have eric and you never know if he isn't available we may have another guest calling in so make sure you tune in we hope to see you live and have a good one bye-bye Express herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.